You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Pastors here, and as our leaders walk down, I just want to encourage all of you who have a relationship with God and pray. Would you pray for our leaders these next 10 weeks? If you're in their small group, would you hold their arms up? Would you ask them how they're doing and how you can pray for them? Because I don't know if you know this, but even the Bible says that uh, when there's a shepherd of a flock of sheep, uh, the enemy goes after the shepherd, goes after the leader, the one taking care of the flock. Mom and dad, you have a target on your back. As you lead your kids, In a Christian home that honors and worships Jesus, you have a target on your back because they know that when the the enemy knows that when when they attack the shepherd and the shepherd is distracted and wounded, the sheep scatter. And so we as a staff and we as elders, we promise you uh, that we're going to be lifting up all of our groups and our leaders. And I ask you to join us. And even in that If you think of it, pray for our elders, our pastors, our staff, and all of our ministry leaders who are always in the front line of fire when the enemy attacks. Just pray, because prayer is powerful and prayer works, amen? Amen. And so I know we just prayed, but now I I want us to just personally pray. So would you bow your hearts? And can I challenge you just to, wherever your hands are right here in front of you, just lift them, palms up as you're ready to receive, like you accept God to do, you, you, you anticipate and you expect God to do something right now in this moment in your life through the power of God and his Holy Spirit. Father, we just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would just reign. You would override all my human man-made words. And Holy Spirit, you would come and open our eyes that we may see you, that we may hear you, that we may represent you, Jesus, and that our root system in our inner being would grow deeper and deeper into the understanding of your truth, our identity in you and who you are. All the glory, all the honor is yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in uh, James chapter four in our James series. We have one more week of the James series. Hopefully you're enjoying it like we are and being encouraged and challenged. So we're gonna jump right into James four. How many of you, and I I wanna see a show of hands. How many of you truly understand as you look around, understand that our world has been and will continue to be in a state of turmoil and strife. How many of you? Okay. Majority of us. We are in dark times. And it hasn't changed all the way to before Jesus after Jesus was resurrected, and as we read James, they were facing very much the same things. It just looked different in their culture. But if we just even turn on our devices, look at social media, look at the news, talk 
to a neighbor, we would probably get something that has to do with wars globally. Wars in our towns and in our communities. Wars in our schools. We see hate abounding, do we not? We see political division, political manipulation, political persecution, and chaos that is going to continue to ensue even more and more the months ahead and cause division even amongst Christians. I pray against that in Jesus' name. People are entering public schools, banks, arenas, malls, and even places of worship and opening fire, killing hundreds of people's lives, if not thousands within a year. Why? For what? Bullying and peer pressure, drugs and sex are raging in our schools and our young next generation. Divorce is ruining families. Unforgiveness and anger are toxic to relationships and to your life. Social media is often the platform, is it not, to blast people you don't agree with or that you don't like just because you aren't mature enough to meet them face to face and to address the issues in a Christ-like manner. It's happening all over, is it not? It's just an easy way to hit send or text and blast it to the other person. But thank goodness, thank goodness the church isn't like that. I'm so grateful that we have a place, a very safe place, where we don't have to worry about gossip. We don't have to worry about conflict. We don't have to worry about anger and, 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 and marriages and uh, marriages struggling and divorce. We don't have to worry about political division. I mean, it's the church, right? I mean, goodness knows we need a place where there's forgiveness and there's love and there's grace and there's kindness and there's patience with, with one another. And there's nothing but positivity and building up and edifying the body of Christ. And sadly, that's not happening as much as we would like to see in the body of Christ. The reality of the church the reality of the church today, and I believe would be the same in James' day, is that the church is filled with imperfect, broken people who are often hurt, offended, and wounded themselves, pleading, praying for breakthrough, but never seem to find it, and sadly, they remain spiritual, immature, infants, what I would call stale Christians, giving a bad name to everyone else looking into the church. Why? Because people who aren't Christians know enough that Christians are to look different than the world. And sadly, we see too many church buildings blending in to the business, corporate, lost world. And that's a problem. 
because that's not the church Jesus had in mind when he came and brought the kingdom of God. That's not the church that he designed and that he paid with his own life and blood. And I believe that we can learn today from James 4, a wake-up call to the church to stop looking so much like the world and start abiding in Christ and start seeing things through God's eyes, hearing Christ's voice, acting in a way that represents Jesus and his kingdom, and growing in a matter that we don't stay spiritual infants for long. What's at stake? Well, do you know anybody in your life that doesn't know the hope and love of Jesus? They're at stake. Their lives for eternity are at stake. And this is exactly what James was dealing with around 2,000 years ago. It has not changed. As you read the Bible more and more, and as you look around your current season of life more and more, you will find that the things happening in the Bible are still happening today. It just looks different in America in 2020. And so I'd like to just take some time today to look at a couple things. Number one, we're going to look at the problem. What is going on? What is the problem that James is addressing? Number two, we're going to look at the causes. What is causing the problem within the church? He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about followers of Christ in the church. Then we're going to look at destructive actions that is toxic to a church body. And then we're going to look at the solution which I believe can bring breakthrough, healing in your own lives, and I believe revival in this church and the church if we let it. So let's start with James 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. We're going to stay in James 4 primarily. We may move back and forth a little bit. You can open your phones in church. You can go to any Bible app you would like. We're going to be reading out of the ESV version. So take a quick moment and turn there while I take a sip of water. James 4, starting with verse 1. Read with me. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet or lust and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. He's talking to believers, friends. He's talking to those who have been baptized, those who go to church, those who lead ministries. He's talking to these people. Could he be talking to you and me? You covet and, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. It's okay to fill in the words there. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people! Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Real quick, enmity is hostility or opposition to God. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself or herself an enemy 
of God. So we're going to continue, but first I want to kind of take a time out and identify some of the, some of the causes and destructive actions that are causing the problem. So let's first take the problem. What is James addressing here? He is addressing Christians who are quarreling and fighting. Quarreling can be related to a much larger scale of conflict, war, uh, larger feuds, different people groups, racism, different things like that that are happening on a larger scale. So he says amongst the Christian community of the church of Christ throughout the world, you are quarreling. You are not on the same page. Could it be political wars? Just asking. Christians are even divided amongst themselves over political things. Moving on. Fights. Now, fights are battles within the wars. Fights are conflicts on a smaller scale, yet as destructive and toxic as the global wars. They have the same effects, it's just on a different scale. Conflicts within your own heart, conflicts within relationships at home, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, and oh, at church where we're supposed to be loving one another, and in so doing, we're proving to those outside our doors, looking at our website, coming to our outreach events, watching online, are watching us to see if we are truly the real deal or not. Fights are personal conflicts that we all, face in life. So the problem is amongst Christians, there is strife, division, disunity, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness in the church. I've said this before. You hear horror stories of church. Churches dividing over contemporary and traditional church service. Churches dividing over donuts. And I would divide over Holtman's versus Duncan. I just, just so you know, there is some precedence there. The horror stories even represented in this space is un believable of the hurt and the wounds that have been caused to you. Some of you right now are just choking up and tearing up and feeling the tension from the hurt, from offense, partiality, false doctrine, judgment, accusation, blame, persecution from Christians to other Christians. Those of you who don't know my story, you know that Lauren and I went through a very difficult, hurtful time in 2006 in a church. We were this close from giving up and throwing in the towel on church altogether. I'm so grateful we didn't. But many of you have reached a point 
of not wanting anything to do with Christianity for what others represented. And that I am so sorry for. And it hurts me to know that you've been wounded in the name of Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that that is not the message that Jesus brought to the church. Never, ever. It is a man-made counterfeit. And it's blasphemous against the name of Jesus. Because it's hurting other people. And sadly, I've been on the other end where I have hurt people in the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone in here where Daniel and I or our staff and leaders have hurt you in the name of Jesus, I'm giving you full permission to schedule a time to meet face to face where I will apologize and repent in front of you. Because that's not the heart of Christ and that is not the design of the church body. But sadly, because we're human, and we are broken, and we are fleshly, we will hurt one another, but it's what we do with the hurt. It's what we do with the conflict, and I'm so glad we brought this up because in a couple weeks, we're going to start a series that God just gave me this week, and it's on conflict. How do we deal with conflict? So what are the causes of this problem? Let's look in the scriptures, follow me in the scriptures, starting with verse one, two, three, and four. And we're gonna look at the causes of what is causing these conflicts amongst believers, amongst sisters and brothers, amongst family members. James says this, is it not this that is causing the quarrels and the fights? Is it not that your passions are at war within you and me? What are passions? Well, they're pleasures, right? They're fulfilled desires, good or bad. On the good, we know Psalms 37 says that God delights to, uh, uh, or excuse me, God fulfills the desires of the heart of one who delights himself in God. So obviously it's got to be good because God wants to bless desires of our hearts. But I think what James is talking here is the passions and the pleasures that don't necessarily meet the standard of what God wants to fulfill. And I would even say if they are the desires that God wants to fill, what James is saying is we're going about it the wrong way. So let's look at it, passions and pleasures. They cause conflict within us and between us. All of us have desires that we want fulfilled. Pleasures aren't wrong when they are purposed to bring honor and glory to God. Let me say that again. Pleasures and passions are not wrong when they are motivated by giving honor and glory to God. Those are the desires that God longs to fulfill. And so if we seek to satisfy our own desires anywhere other than Christ the Lord, Father God, and Holy Spirit, then we are headed down a destructive, disastrous road. So what are the causes within us? 
They are the passions, they are the pleasures that our flesh craves after. And we go about it in our own strength and we push, we shove, we kick, we trip, and do whatever we can to fulfill those desires within ourselves. So you have the problem. You have what causes the problem. And now, out of that, you have destructive actions. Let's see what James says about that. The first destructive action is in verse 2, the first part, 2a. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Would you read that with me out loud? Ready? You desire and do not have, so you murder. What is James talking about? Is he talking about physical murder? Yeah, he is. But he's also talking about murder within our hearts. Because what's happening is it starts inward. Jesus took the law, by the way, the Old Testament law, and he took it to a whole new level. Jesus said the law was about your obedience. The law was about structure. The law was about understanding your sin and falling short of God's glory. The new covenant is the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, but it's all about the heart. That's what God's after, the heart, the heart. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Jesus says, if you look at a brother and a, or a sister with hate and envy and anger, you have committed murder. That's how Jesus sees it. And so let's just now look at it and say, hey, that's not on my track record. I didn't murder anybody. Check your heart. Because he says, when you allow desires of your flesh and you desire it and you don't have it, you do whatever it takes to get it, even hurting and wounding and ostracizing someone in your church family. You don't go to the proper source, right? You don't go to God. You're going in your own strength and in your own ways, in your own agenda, and then you wake up the next day and you regret it all. James chapter 3 that Daniel uh, talked about and, 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 and taught last Sunday, it says this in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy in your hearts and selfish ambition, do not boast and be false to the truth. In other translations, it says, don't be arrogant. This is not wisdom from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And James is saying here in verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. It's right here. I didn't say it. James says it. You have two sources that you will always decide to go to one or the other for any desire that you will ever have. Inwardly, externally, physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is, there's two sources. One is the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of God, if you really believe that his grace and his truth and, and he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory, and we have everything that we need for life and godliness, if we believe that, we're going to run towards the kingdom of God knowing that the Father wants to fill, fulfill our desires. The other option that so many of us find our flesh taking us is the kingdom of darkness, the demonic kingdom. If it's not the kingdom of God, it is the kingdom of darkness. If it's not the kingdom of darkness, it's heading towards the kingdom of light. And we have to know that when we begin to try to pursue the fulfillment of our desires, whether good or bad. Verse 2b shares another destructive action that we take. Number, number uh, verse 2b. You covet, which means you lust. What is lust? Well, if pleasures and desires are satisfied desires, passions and pleasures are satisfied desires, lust is unsatisfied desires that you don't have and you crave, even though you know it's wrong, you don't care because it's unsatisfied desires that you want satisfied. And so what do we do with this lust? We begin to hold grudges for anyone who's standing in the way of what we want. We point blame, we spit, we shout, we kick to get our way. The third destructive action that James says is in verse 2c. The reason you don't have is because you simply don't ask. Can you imagine that? I have to be honest with you. The, the last three months of conversations with me and Lauren have revolved around why haven't we asked God for this? We're complaining, usually me, we're complaining and we're wondering why God isn't answering the, uh, the, 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 the prayers we have. And we wonder why we're having to go through what we're going through when we simply don't ask God to show up. Can I even be honest with you? This Saturday, on the road uh, after Joseph's soccer practice, I told my wife, I just said, I feel like this heavy, heavy cloud is over me. And I just, I just can't see clearly. You know what she said? Suck it up. <laughs> Don't encourage her. No, you know what she said? She said, let's pray. She started to pray, and let me tell you, I felt the presence of God from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And that cloud of heaviness was gone. For two hours at least. <laughs> then we had to pray again. Could it be that you have not because you ask not? Could it be that your heavenly father who wants to bless you with every good gift and he does without you even asking, but maybe there are some things that he just wants you to crawl on daddy's lap and ask him, daddy, I need you. 
Daddy, I can't do this without you. Daddy, you know my heart is empty and I'm lonely for a companion. Father, I'm asking you, would you provide that? I need a friend. God, you know I need a job. I need to provide for my family. You know this job sucks that I'm in and I I just, I'm not fulfilled. God, would you lead me to the right path? Have you prayed? Have you asked God? Because he's saying you have not because you ask not. And the fourth destructive action is, yeah, you ask God, but you're not getting what you ask. Well, that's a horrible God. He's unfaithful. Can I really count on him? Well, come on. Look in the mirror and ask yourself what you're asking God. Sometimes God doesn't want what you want for your life. It's all about proper motivation. It may be that you are praying in faith. It's not a faith issue. It's a flesh issue. It's not a faith issue. You are asking God. You are seeking to obey God. It's a flesh issue because what you're asking God is for your fleshly desires and not for his kingdom cause. And sometimes what we're asking for God God to do is absolutely for his kingdom cause, yet it's not his will. God, I'm asking for you to do this for your glory, but would you do it tomorrow, please? And would you do it this way so that I know it's from you? Kidding, sort of. It's all about asking in line of God's will, Jesus Gave that example so beautifully when he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your, your, yeah. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in Ah, what if we started to pray like that? Hmm. We have to ask in line of God's will the things of his kingdom, and then guess what? Trust him to be God, because there is one God, and you are not him. There is one God, and it ain't me. So let him be God, and we trust him that Romans 8 will come to pass when he says, in all things, God works together for good to those who love him and are called to his purposes. Not all things are good. I just did a funeral on Saturday. It wasn't good. You know what I said at the funeral? I say this as a disclaimer, so if you have a funeral, you'll know not to ask me if you don't like this. I said, death sucks. I said, this all sucks. This is horrible. This wasn't God's design. This is messed up. But we have a God that wants to take the suck and turn it into something beautiful and turn it into something that where his kingdom is advanced and the kingdom of darkness is kicked in the face. That's the power of God's working power and might. And so James says, 
You desire and do not have, so you go to whatever lengths to get it. You don't have because you don't ask. And you don't receive because you're asking with selfish, passion-filled motives. And do you know what God calls people who do that? And he's talking to the church. What does he call them? You adulterous people. What he's saying is I am developing a program in heaven called cheaters. (laughs) And you all are being video camera. You are being taped and recorded. Cheating on your love, your first love. You're abandoning what I have died for and given for. And you're destroying your lives and other people in the church. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility and opposition to God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let me describe it this way. January 10th, 2004 was one of the best days of my life. I was standing at the altar waiting for the bride that I have waited for my entire life to come down the aisle. Here's the beautiful music, and she's coming down. And let's just say she had one other guy linking arms with her that she was also committed to. How would I feel? Well, there'd be a wedding brawl. (laughs) I wouldn't have it, and I probably wouldn't be married. What if she came clinging to her daddy, which she did, but she wouldn't let go? And her daddy is an incredible daddy, and the best father-in-law I've ever had. (laughs) I'm I'm still with my first wife. But what if she wanted still to be just the daughter and have daddy go wherever she goes. That would be weird. What if she was clinging to her career and the things, the way she wanted things to go and her style for everything and all of her opinions and she clung to them to where we're at the altar and I'm putting the ring on, but she says, would you place the ring on this too? Would you place the ring and your promises on this too? You see, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And the Bible says when we're in Christ, we are the bride of Christ. Marriage on earth is to symbolize and give a beautiful picture of our marriage with the bridegroom, Jesus, who someday when we meet him face to face, We will be married to the king of kings and grafted into the kingdom of God forevermore. And so what burdens and breaks Jesus' heart more than anything is when his bride run to other things that only he can provide and wants to provide. And when the bride does that, we cause adultery. What does adultery do? It destroys, it divides, it sickens the relationship. Are you far from God? Could it be that you 
have been in adultery, of going to other things that only your flesh wants, that doesn't fulfill what God wants for your life, a good, good daddy who wants absolutely the best and sometimes the best is not what you're asking for. Revelations 2.4 is Jesus talking to the church and he says, you have abandoned your first love. You have left. You have walked away from your vows. You have left your first love. And you know, God could stop there and leave us to our destructive patterns and our consequences. But God is not that kind of God. He is a loving, compassionate Father. And he wants to meet you right where you're at. And so there's a solution for this problem. The problem is we have conflict upon conflict that causes chaos and strife within the body of Christ. I'm not talking about your relationship with other non-believers. I'm talking about your family of Christ. All the small groups that are going to start meeting this week, that's your family. And he's saying the problem is you are, you are in conflict and you're causing strife and drama and pain that doesn't need to be there. And you're doing it because you don't have the desires you want and so you hate and you murder. You lust and you go after something you shouldn't be going after that just fills a temporal pleasure. You don't ask God. And sometimes when you ask him, you're asking for selfish motives and then you get mad at God for not answering your prayers. So there is an awesome solution. Jesus wants to meet us right where we're at. And he wants to fulfill the desires of our hearts. So let's look at James 4, 7 through 10 as we slow this train down this morning. Verses 7 through 10. I want you to look. I put five examples that James, right out of the word of God, that is our solution to this problem. Number one is submit yourself to God. What does that mean? means surrender, meaning let go of what's holding you or what you're holding. Surrender, give yourself to God. Submit, wave the white flag and say, I give up. God, you are God, I am not. Take over. That's submit yourself to God. Number two is resist the devil. That means in order to turn to God, you have to turn away from evil. To turn one direction means you're turning your back to the other. How delighted are you, mom and dad, when your son or your daughter or foster parents, maybe the kids that you are taking care of right now, or maybe grandparents you're taking care of your kids, or maybe you don't have kids and you have nieces and nephews and other kids that you love and care for. What if they know that they are absolutely in the wrong and they have hurt you or their brothers and sisters or those around you, and they realize they're wrong, and they leave the wrong that they're doing, isn't that a victory? 
that they actually stopped what they're doing, knowing they were wrong, and then what do they do? They draw near to you, and how do they walk towards you? Lo, don't want to look you in the eye. Tears, quivering lip, so sorry. There's nothing more beautiful and precious to the Father when we come to him and say, God, I messed up. I've been pursuing the things that don't fulfill the kingdom of God. Would you forgive me? And you know what the Bible says? It says when you cleanse your hands and you weep and you mourn and you're sorry for what you do, the loving Father comes around you and he lifts you up. Brushes the filth off of you. I love the song. It says this, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners, you and me, that are plunged beneath that flood, guess what? Lose all their guilty stains. That's the kind of father we have. And so as the band comes up, I want to leave you with an application that you personally have the choice to either push away or to own it. Talk amongst the people in your car. This week at small groups, leaders, I encourage you to challenge your people. What did you get away from James 4? And what can we be praying for you for in light of this theme? So I want to give you the application here. So the first thing in the application that I want to ask you before we just respond to God and worship, are you holding jealousy, bitterness, hurt, anger, and hate in your heart? If you are, I plead for you to come and get prayer Come meet with me. Come meet with Pastor Daniel. Come meet with Tiffany and Jeff. Come meet with Michael if it involves your kids and e-kids. Come meet with Brent. Come meet with Greg and uh, Phil Sr. and Vic Grable and Tony Cardinal. And I'm forgetting one, and I really deeply apologize. Oh, yeah, myself. (laughs) Phil Kirby, yeah. Come. Come to the altar. For forgiveness is here. But you just don't say, Lord, forgive me and thank you. He's saying, humble yourself. Understand the devastation and destructive manner of your sin. And then wash yourselves with the blood that was shed for you. And now be raised up in humility. And allow Jesus' blood to cleanse you of all sin. Anger and bitterness will rob you from every blessing God has for you. Remember I told you about 2006 when I lost my job in a church and we were asked to leave and not talk to anybody. I was driving home. Man, it still hits. I'll never forget the foliage of the trees. It was becoming winter. The ground was starting to freeze and I felt like I was entering a winter. 
And I was so mad. I was so hurt. And God said, son, whatever you do, don't become bitter. Because when you do, you tie my hands from blessing you and doing what I want to do in your life. Bitterness and anger and unforgiven sin, unforgiveness of other people will rob you from the blessings of God. Number two, do you lust after unsatisfied desires? Do you lust and crave for things that you know are your flesh, but you just can't control it? Is that where you are? Because if that's where you are, you're not alone. But it says, stay in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit of God, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Number three, do you simply just not ask God? He's a loving Father, and He listens and hears those who come to Him sincerely, genuinely, and they fear God. Not a horror fear, but a reverent fear of that He is God and God alone. Are you asking for things with wrong motives? Check your heart. Could that be why God might not be answering what you're asking? Are you getting impatient? Are you struggling with bitterness towards God because he's not moving in a way that you expected or that you desire? And lastly, have you abandoned the love for God that you once had? If you fall in any of those categories, I just want to let you know that God is waiting with open arms right now, right where you're sitting, even right here. And I'm going to ask some people to pray. Daniel and Laney, would you pray in the corner? Uh, Sherry and maybe someone else could pray over here. We're not going to be up front here. This is time for you and God. But you need to respond. You have a choice to respond. So now let us worship. Let us worship and respond. Let's come to the altar. Let's get right with God. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.